it's always a joy to welcome everybody for sunday service and i was thinking there was so much inspiration during spiritual renewal week that for one month maybe we didn't need another talk because i was thinking everything has been covered so well but we have to make good of this occasion uh, and use it to dive deeper so the whispers reading i have here is a simple one there's an echo is there maybe demand to the holy trinity o heavenly trinity om tat sat god the transcendent father god the immanent christ consciousness and god the holy creative vibratory force of all creation grant me the wisdom to know thy truth through my self effort and my knowing acceptance of the law help me up the golden ladder of realization to stand at last on the shining summit of attainment face to face with the one spirit perfect everlasting bliss just as i was listening dhyan uh, talk about uh, jesus's experience and this was while i was seated there i was saying to myself i have had that experience where i have been surrounded by crowds of people and i don't know who's pushing me who's touching me <laughs> this happens if you live in india because there's many many people uh, so anyway and to say it humorously once i felt something drawn from me wasn't virtue it was my, it was my wallet <laughs> you know because somebody took advantage of the really crowded situation and uh, anyway you have to be careful but uh, india is a very joyful place just to say and i know master loved india and it wasn't for the superficial problems that any new country has it's a old civilization but a new country only 75 years since independence so it will take time uh, to become more and more perfect on the outward plane but anyway um, i wanted to thank prashad for that harp piece and dambara because we were just seated and uh, having something to eat and for some reason i said have you we have never played sailed with me sail with me to capri and he said yeah it's been a long time and i just asked him can you play it for no other reason than to hear it and he said yes but i didn't know it would take all that practice uh, day after day he has his room right above mine he would be playing uh, playing the harp practicing it often to uh, until midnight so it's that self effort that brings forth this graceful performance and so i was very happy to hear that song once again i want to draw for this uh, sunday service on the life of swami pranavananda once again most people when they read autobiography of a yogi they remember him as the saint with the two bodies and somehow the lessons i have drawn the inspiration i have drawn from him has been everything except generating two bodies because as i say these days even i can generate a hundred bodies there's hundred screens logging on from zoom or youtube and i'm manifesting my body uh, in each of those screen across different parts of this world but the operative word in the saint with the two bodies is saint somebody who has reached the state of self realization that i am not yet and that's where self effort is needed so the two lessons i draw 
As it turns out, last time we had a Sunday service, I had to talk. I used the uh, example of his passing, conscious passing under full control through the practice of Kriya Yoga. You know, very, very inspirational. This time I want to draw on something I used to draw on quite a bit in my early years. When I came here, I had more free time to think these things through. And this was uh, from that chapter, The Saint with the Two Bodies, but the idea of the second pension. Because it very nicely illustrates what we are trying to aim for, how we get there, what the interplay between self-effort and grace is, and how much self-effort is needed. So that's why I have this book. I might read now and then excerpts from here. Yogananda met the saint with the two bodies many times. The first time, this is chapter 3, he met Yogananda. Yogananda met him was he was 12 years old, a young boy of 12. His uh, father had given him some rail passes to go to Banaras, uh, the city where Pranabananda lived, and given him two letters, one as a letter of introduction, because Yogananda's father had said, Swami Pranabananda is my brother disciple. Our common guru is Lahiri Mahashaya. Letter number one is your introduction to him. And letter number two is for another person. I need to find this person. He's in Banaras. I don't know where he is. But Swami Pranabananda can help you find him. When you find that person, give him this second letter. And so, of course, Yogananda showed up at the age of, uh, young age of 12, in Swami Pranabhananda's apartment. And I want to read some of what happened. A rather stout man wearing only a loincloth was seated in lotus posture on a slightly raised platform. His head and unwrinkled face were clean shaven. A beatific smile played about his lips. To dispel my thought that I had intruded, he greeted me as an old friend. Bliss to my dear one. That's the translation of the uh, Bengali phrase. I knelt and touched his feet. Are you Swami Pranabhananda? He nodded. Are you Bhagavati's son? His words were out before I had had time to get father's letter from my pocket. In astonishment, I handed him the note of introduction, which now seemed superfluous. Of course, I will locate Kedarnath for you. The saint again surprised me by his clairvoyance. He glanced at the letter and made a few affectionate references to my parent. And this is the part we are interested in. You know I'm enjoying two pensions. One is by the recommendation of your father, for whom I once worked in the railroad office. Yogananda's father had been his superior uh, at work. The other is by the recommendation of my heavenly father, for whom I have conscientiously finished my earthly duties in life. And Yogananda sweetly says, I found this remark very obscure. He's only 12 years old. What kind of pension, sir, do you receive from the heavenly father? Does he drop money in your lap? <laughs> Wouldn't be bad. But, but Pranabhananda laughed. He said, I mean a pension of fathomless peace, a reward for many years of deep meditation. I never crave money now. My few material needs are amply provided for. Later, you'll understand the significance of a second pension. And then he materialized body number two and did whatever needed to be done to get Yogananda in touch with this man, Kedarnath Babu. I want to skip that and reach the part of the narrative where Pranabhananda describes how he received the second pension, because that's tied, on, tied in to what we are trying to do here. 
And let's listen to what Yogananda, uh, Pranabhananda says. I used to meditate with another disciple for eight hours every night. We had to work at the railroad office during the day. Finding difficulty in carrying out my clerical duties, I desired to devote my whole time to find God. For eight years, I persevered, meditating half the night. I had wonderful results. Tremendous spiritual perceptions illumined my mind. But a little veil always remained between me and the infinite. Even with superhuman earnestness, I found the final union to be denied me. One evening, I paid a visit to Lairi Mahashaya and pleaded for his intercession. My importunities continued during the entire night. Angelic Guru, my spiritual anguish is such that I can no longer bear my life without meeting the great beloved face to face. What can I do? You must meditate more. He's already <laughs> meditating eight hours at night, by the way. But I'm appealing to you, you know, Pranabhananda said. I see you materialized before me in a physical body. Bless me that I can perceive you in your infinite form. Lahiri Mahasaya extended his hand in a benign gesture. You may go now and meditate. I have interceded for you with Brahma. And then Pranabhananda said, immeasurably uplifted, I returned home. In meditation that night, the burning goal of my life was achieved. Now I ceaselessly enjoy the spiritual pension. Never from that day has the blissful creator remained hidden from my eyes behind any screen of delusion. So there are a few things here that we can pull up. Uh, one is the second pension. Any pension is received at a particular moment in our careers. It's when we retire. You don't get a pension before you retire. And you retire in good standing. So same with the second pension, it's, re it's received when we are at the point of retirement. We have to learn how to retire from ego consciousness. This is the goal of yoga. As soon as we retire from ego consciousness, we become one with spirit and we can receive this second pension. There's other interesting factors about this spiritual pension. One is ordinary pensions have sort of a few drawbacks. One, it's a portion of your work pay. It's not more than your work pay. You know, if you're earning X as your salary, your pension will be a fraction of X. It's prone to inflationary measures. If inflation comes, it's limited. And sometimes if you're looking at something like social security, you're always reading the newspapers. Will it run out by the time I retire? Or will I get something like it? But the second pension, it's not money dropped in our lap by this, uh, as uh, Paramansa Yogananda asked, Swami Pranabhananda, but it is both ceaseless, it is far more than what we receive while we are in ego consciousness, not yet free, and it is always there under every circumstance. And there are a couple other stories that I want to read from this Swami Pranabhananda's life which talk about this. Because right after making that, uh, describing his journey, he says, some months later, I returned to Lahiri Mahashaya and tried to thank him for this bestowal of the infinite gift. Then I mentioned another matter. Divine Guru, I can no longer work in the office. Please release me. Brahma keeps me continuously intoxicated. And Lahiri Masha says, apply for a pension from your company. What reason shall I give so early in my service? Say what you feel. 
the next day I made my application. The doctor inquired the grounds for my premature request. This should qualify as the reason of the millennium because I just don't know how it worked. So here was Pranabhananda's reasoning. At work, I find an overpowering sensation rising in my spine. It permeates my whole body, unfitting me for the performance of my duties. Without further questioning, the, phys questioning, the physician recommended me highly for a pension, which I soon received. And then he says it was Lahiri Masha's grace that he worked his will through this doctor, through all the superiors, including Yogananda's father, so he could have a life of unbroken communion. But I remember the shock my advisor had said. I was in Boston University and I was doing a master's program. He had paid for it, you know. I hope he's not watching. Uh, <laughs> it was the NSF grant and I said I want to quit the program. And he said, what for? You know, sometimes people are depressed or they are homesick or something else, a better offer comes up. I said, no, I want to go to India to become a monk. And he looked at me for five minutes and he said, many people have come to me asking to withdraw for, from their programs. They have never given me this reason. <laughs> well, he was an Indian, so he understood. See, uh, he understood, so I'm happy about that. But anyway, so that's how blissful the second pension is. There's a footnote here where Yogananda says, in deep meditation, the first experience of spirit is on the altar of the spine and then the brain. The torrential bliss is overwhelming, but the yogi learns to control its outward manifestations. Many years later, Yogananda met Swami Pranavananda again. This was 12 years later almost. Yogananda was with his father and they were in Calcutta. And Yogananda says, the body of Pranabhananda, which had appeared so well and strong during my amazing first visit to him in Banaras, now showed definite, uh, definite aging, though his posture was still admirably erect. Swamiji, I inquired, looking straight into his eyes, please tell me the truth. Are you feeling the advance of age? As the body is weakening, are your perceptions of God suffering any diminution? He smiled angelically. The beloved is more than ever with me now. His complete conviction overwhelmed my mind and soul. He went on, I'm still enjoying two pensions, one from your father here and one from above. Pointing his finger heavenward, the saint fell into an ecstasy. His face lit with a divine glow. An ample answer to my question. So this second pension is what we are all aspiring for. Who doesn't want the second pension? <laughs> it was a trick question. Nobody raised their hand. You're awake and ready. Pretty good. Um, so this is what we are trying to aim for. So much for the goal. How do we get there? This is Swami Pranabhananda's story. And as I often say, when I read what he shared about his journey, I see a few elements in his life, which you and I also need to follow to be qualify, qualify for this second pension. Number one, deep meditation. What does he say there? He says, uh, I want to read that. He says, I used to meditate with another disciple eight hours every night. We had to work at the railroad office during the day, finding it difficult. And then he said, for eight years, I persevered meditating half the night. And as I was thinking about this last week, I said, 
because it's nice to try to put these liberated souls who seem so out there, have nothing in common with us, and define or explain these things in modern terminology. See, I was saying to myself, Swami Pranabhananda was a night owl, you know, <laughs> because he wasn't going to bed bright and early and taking a long sleep, but he was skimping on sleep. He had the ability to do that. We probably can't. But this is an interesting fact that you can think about. All highly advanced yogis become night owls because they meditate and meditate very deeply into the night. Lahiri Mahasaya, if you re remember his life story, he would pretend to go to sleep, he was married, and his wife would think he was sleeping every night. One day she woke up and found him levitating uh, in his bed, on his bed, or above his bed, whatever it is. <laughs> and so, so the, and once she knew that this was his stature, it says in the autobiography, he never left the sitting living room of his home. He was there morning, noon, and night, locked in lotus posture. The sleepless saint, same thing. You know, meditating very deeply to the point where sleep becomes unnecessary. But anyway, that's a side point. Deep meditation is an important part of how we get the second pension, but that's not all. Right at the very start, when he tells Yogananda about enjoying two pensions, he makes another, another statement. He says, you know I'm enjoying two pensions, one by the recommendation of your father, for whom I worked in the railroad office, the other by the recommendation of the heavenly father, for whom I have conscientiously finished my earthly duties in life. And conscientiously finishing our earthly duties is the essence of karma yoga the yoga of action. We have responsibilities, we don't get there by shirking them, but by fulfilling them as an instrument of the divine, not for our own ego gratification, but seeing that we are playing a role and we have to play it well. You only get uh, a pension if you're done well at your workplace, not if you're shirked your responsibilities. And so that is karma yoga. Then, what else did he do? He says, remember the quotation he used when he was, or the words he used when he was praying for Lahiri Masha's intercession. He says, Angelic Guru, my spiritual anguish is such that I can no longer bear my life without meeting the great beloved face to face. And that intense desire for union with the divine is called Bhakti Yoga. You know, the yoga of heart's devotion, very deeply wanting to be free. Swami used to say bhakti is that hunger, that intense craving for self-realization. That was a part of his journey too. And finally, as we know, wisdom comes by tuning into somebody who has wisdom. That is the role of the guru. Jnana yoga in the highest essence comes by tuning into the source of jnana or wisdom. And in our case, that is the guru. By deeply tuning into the guru's health and his presence and his teachings, all that we know, that manifests the highest level of jnana yoga. It's not just discriminating based on our own intellect. We have to use judgment, but based on what we have received and continue to receive from our guru's teaching and the attunement with the guru. So that uh, he did too. Now, there is a word. Somebody will tell me this word. Uh, there is a path to self-realization which has deep meditation as its central focus while doing, finishing all our responsibilities well, karma yoga, and while having intense aspiration from our heart, jnana yoga, 
and tuning into our guru as the source of wisdom, Jnana Yoga. What's that path called? Raja Yoga, the royal path to self-realization. This is the path of self-effort which commingles with grace. This is what Swami Pranabhananda did too. So why I'm saying this is, let's take heart. We are doing exactly the same things as this great yogi did. You know, our guru's training is exactly the one that Swami Pranabhananda followed to reach that goal. And this story is also sweet because it fulfills that particular verse from the Bhagavad Gita. What does it say in this particular reading? To those who meditate on me as their very own, worshipping me incessantly, I supply their deficiencies and make permanent their gains. This is the Guru speaking to the disciple. The Bhagavad Gita is not a conversation between Krishna and Arjuna. They are placeholder names. This is the Guru telling the disciple, this is what I will do for you. And that is what Lahiri Mahashaya did for Swami Pranabhananda. He was doing his best, but there were still deficiencies. And finally, when the time was right, the Guru said, I will make, supply your deficiencies and make permanent your gains. And he started enjoying the ceaseless second pension. Same with Yogananda's case as a young boy. He had done his best. He had gone all the way to the Himalayas and back and landed right in the same place. And in the morning, he was meditating, trying to achieve samadhi. It wasn't working out. And that same evening, or same afternoon or morning, his guru touched him. Sri Yukteswar touched him on his heart, and he was free, making permanent his gains, eradicating or fulfilling all his deficiencies. So I just want to say there's one difference between what Pranabhananda did and we are doing. It's the same path we are following. The difference is of intensity. We meditate, but how many of us meditate that intensely? Eight hours a day, half the night. And this is not a call, by the way, to be imbalanced. Please don't misunderstand me. But intensity is very important. All of us seek God. I'm very sure of it. I do. But I wonder, can I say my spiritual anguish is such that I can no longer bear my life without meeting the great beloved face to face? Not yet. Not yet. It will come gradually. But those are the things we want to develop more and more intensity. It's that intensity that creates magnetism. The greater the electricity or the heart's aspiration, the stronger the magnet. And it starts pulling at God more and more strongly. And he then manifests in our consciousness as the divine vision. This is what Yogananda wrote. Now, um, there is a way to develop that intensity, and I just want to end there today. Many ways, but one of them is seclusion, because it's hard to do these things day after day after day after day, but it's easier to do them in a dedicated burst. You know, So when we take a seclusion, we can meditate much longer. We can chant much longer. We can focus on the Guru's teachings and communion much longer. That's why Yogananda said, seclusion is the price of greatness. He chose these sentences, as we know, very, very particularly. He could have said attunement is the price of greatness or something else. But of all the possibilities, he chose seclusion. And we all want to be spiritually great. That's the one greatness we should all aspire to. It's not egotistical. But that is our destiny. That is why we are here. And so if we can take seclusions occasionally, we can see that it intensifies our sadhana, our aspiration, our desire for liberation. 
And on that front, I want to end by saying, as with everything, there's refined and more refined ways of doing the same thing. Seclusion can be done in multiple ways. And there are two particular ways people can use them. I suspect most people use it in this first way, as I have done also. It is when we feel so exhausted that we use sexlusion for centering. We say, we are maxed out. I'm, you know, I'm pretty much burnt. And I need to take time to center myself, deepen my focus, get back into the groove, and remember that the purpose of life is liberation. And that is a valid way to seclude. That's a valid purpose to seclude. And I'm not dissing that, just to be very clear. But there is, I think, a higher way to seclude. Be at the top of your yearning for God, and then go into seclusion. You know, Prepare for that seclusion, building your heart's desire, aspirations, have regular, deeper sadhanas. And then take that, you know, just like a runner who's preparing for an Olympic, he doesn't say I'm going to do this Olympic training or running because I'm burnt out. He builds up, builds up. I remember I went with Brannon, some of you know Brannon, who is a great runner, and to uh, Lake Tahoe for a half marathon. And he was, it was amazing to see. He was like, man, I'm feeling so good. It will be hard for me to go slow, but I have to go slow was totally opposite of how I was feeling. <laughs> and because the day after, he was going to run 30 miles. And he wanted to save some fuel for that. And so he went slow and came, came fifth in that race. And I went as fast as I could, and I also came fifth from the bottom. <laughs> but anyway, my goal was to not be last, so I was happy. Uh, but coming back here, next time you seclude, don't think of seclusion as something that brings you back to normal level. But take an intense aspiration into seclusion. This is what the Living Discipleship Group will have the blessing of doing. Because, uh, and we will call them up uh, here in just a bit and bless them. But they have been practicing and receiving and absorbing these teachings in a very focused environment for a few weeks. And they'll take that into seclusion. So it's a unique opportunity, and I hope uh, we all can contemplate taking seclusion in that way, remembering the guru is there, he'll make permanent our gains, he'll supply our deficiencies, there's no doubt about it, the goal will be attained, but the more intensity, cheerful intensity, not grim intensity we bring, the sooner we will become free and enjoy the second pension. Many blessings. Sail with me to Capri, island melody, mist upon the mountains, sunlight on the sea. Sail with me to Capri, fairest isle I know, leave the sea. Madness, world of pain and woe. Daily will wake up singing, eager to greet the day. Smile on friend and stranger, dance all our cares away. Daily.
stranger, dance all our cares away. Swim in the blue grotto, silver on our skin. Find the key to freedom, happiness within.
never let your longing die and call to him keep calling him remain persistent undepressed through dark and seeming silence if of life, disease, and death, you play the dancer, yet 